This is why you're single. Okay? <laughs> you can't exploit people's vulnerability. It's true. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Another episode. Yeah. It's the last episode of January. I know. It's crazy. I feel like it's flown right by. Well, luckily, we are recording pretty early. Mm-hmm. It's only January 16th. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but it does feel like this year so far has gone by just so quickly. Oh, yeah. The other day I was like, January is already over. It was the 12th and I was like, it's over. Jesus. The month is done. <laughs> Over, game over. Yeah. And on that really fun, bright note. Yeah, on a bright <laughs> ass note, today we are doing the 2008 classic 27 dresses. Ugh. A little Katherine Heigl, a little yes. James Marsden, some Edward Burns. Some uh, Malin Ackerman, some Judy Greer. Judy Greer's kind of the homegirl. But yeah, this is a, you know, a classic rom-com. Uh, it did really well at the box office, actually. It had a $30 million budget and made $162.7 million. So a smash success. And this was before Katherine Heigl was like basically blackballed by Hollywood. Yeah. There were a couple of things that happened. So she was knocked up and she... Did interviews, obviously, because she was the lead. And I guess she mentioned that it was like, you know, a bit of a misogynist movie. Like she wished there were, it was like reframed in a better light for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also with Grey's Anatomy, she like publicly withdrew from the Emmy nominations list or like the Emmy race, whatever you want to call it, yeah. because she felt like the material she had that season in like 2008 to 2009, I think, wasn't warranted or didn't warrant an Emmy. Mm-hmm. So she got like a reputation for being like a hard to work with actress. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Like those yeah. are... That's so different from like, I'm coming on set and I don't know my lines. I'm not being professional. This is like, mm-hmm. hey, I think that I should stand up for myself and what yeah. like is going on with my career. And... People don't like that. <laughs> no, especially not in uh, the mid-2000s, that's for sure. Or li- like late 2000s, I guess. Um, yeah, after mm-hmm. that, her career just kind of took a turn. And it's a shame because she was really on like a great trajectory because she had just come off of like uh, this Emmy win for Grey's Anatomy the year prior and was starting to get more into film. And then she ended up leaving the show to really pursue a few, a few, a film career that never really – took off in the way that I think it should have. And I feel like she kind of got pigeonholed into playing the same type of like uptight woman character. I definitely agree. Yeah. Things just kind of fell off from there, but it seems like she's working a lot more now and she's been doing a lot of producing actually. Good for her. And uh, she's in a Netflix show, Firefly Lane currently. So I have to check that out. Yeah. But can we talk about James Marsden? (laughs) Any time of day. (laughs) Also an actor who is not getting as many roles as he should. I agree. The man is so talented. He is. uh, I just literally love watching him. I love watching him. I'm enthralled. Yeah. Um, I will say until the day that I die that him as Corny Collins in Hairspray is one of the best 
casting choices of all time. It's like Matthew Lillard as Shaggy and James Marsden <laughs> as Corny Collins are the two Amazing. best casting decisions in the history of film. I love that. Yeah, this film got a 41% on the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I think that's unfair, but, you know, people love to hate rom-coms. Yeah, I think – I don't think it got, like, great reviews overall. I did read that a lot of them said that, like, oh, Katherine Heigl is really talented, but, like, this movie is really trivial, which I don't I disagree with. with that personally. Yeah. I would love the perspective of – a woman who is married on this movie mm. or someone who is like a bit older than us, like maybe in their mid thirties or something. Yeah. Cause I found it really resonant as a 25 year old. And I mean, I liked it when I was younger too. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I think in terms of like the bridal movie genre, I think this is the best one in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, cause well, I mean, my best friend's wedding is really, really good. That one was probably a little bit better. My best um, friend's wedding. Yeah. Who's in that? Julia Roberts, Cameron Diaz, that actor whose name I can't remember. I don't think I know that movie. <gasps> oh my gosh. It's really good. We should do it at some point. But yeah. um, we should have a wedding season. <gasps> guys, if you want a wedding theme month, let we'll us know. We'll fucking go off. Yeah. <laughs> we'll fucking snap. Okay. <laughs> but when I think of other like bridal movies from like the late 2000s, this is the best one because like okay. Bride Wars, if you listen to our Bride Wars episode, you know how we feel about it's that not movie. good. That might be my least favorite. Mm, Camp Rock sucked. <laughs> and we did those two back to back. That was a really horrible month for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think this movie is good and we'll definitely we'll dive into it. But mm-hmm. before we do, shall we do our reviews for this week? Oh, yeah. These ones kind of like we kind of came up with these pretty quickly and I think yeah. it was we just hit the nail on the head for mm-hmm. these review songs yes so first up we have a review from Danny thank you so much for your lovely review and your kind words it really means so much to us for your montage we decided on the song you got the love by Florence and the Machine and this one is slightly inspired by the series finale of Sex and the City where Carrie is walking down the street to like the original of this song and um it's kind of like that final wrap-up moment so i think that your montage is like the final scene of your movie where everything has kind of like wrapped together you've gone through this whole journey all of these trials and tribulations Mm -hmm. and all this conflict and you finally arrived at like the point that you're supposed to be things have worked out for you you're feeling really content you've grown so much after the events that have transpired and you keep walking and like you walk past the camera and we just see you like walking in the distance as like the camera stays in one place let's make a movie oh my god! i'm a cinematographer you guys (laughs) (laughs) the next review is for lana lana del bay with two e's on TikTok, you have quite a following. So congrats to you. Um, I saw that you did some DIY stuff. You were making your own Halloween costume. It looked awesome. Um, You did like a reno on your outdoor patio area. So I decided to give you one of my favorite songs. I think this was like an AIM (laughs) song that I had or something when I was like younger. (laughs) 
Lip Gloss by Lil Mama. This song is all about being confident. You are looking amazing. Mm. And I think that maybe when this is playing, you're like, I'm gonna redo my like living room like maybe you like you move the couch and you do like one accent wall and then you put up some new frames on the wall and you like get your your decorative pillows oh my god and you put a throw down you like you know buy a tray for your coffee table and put a candle on and like you just it looks incredible like amazing and you just look around and you're like my lip gloss is popping. <laughs> yeah. So next up, we have a review from Christy. Uh, thank you so much for your review. We also stalked your Instagram. We took into consideration some of the artists that you listed when we chatted mm-hmm. in the DMs. And the song that we have chosen is As Long As You Love Me by the Backstreet Boys. I love that song. But I think this is going to be like an acoustic version. Ooh. And you're performing it at an open mic. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like what you're doing. Yes. Like maybe you, you've been like struggling with, with stage fright or you've been struggling with putting yourself out there either with like playing guitar or maybe just like emotionally you've been struggling with putting yourself out there and you're like you know what I'm gonna conquer my fears I'm gonna do it you take to that stage you're a little bit nervous at first the spotlight's on you it's a lot of pressure but you take a deep breath in deep breath out you center yourself you pull out your guitar you start playing and as the song goes, you just, you find your confidence, you get into the groove, people in the audience are into it, everybody's having a great time, you're playing this iconic Backstreet Boys song, and you just own the stage. Ooh. Okay, and our last review for today is for Caroline, and we chose Superstar by Jamelia. So for your montage, what I'm thinking is that maybe you've just started a new business, Maybe you have started making like your own um, bags or your own earrings or something. I don't know. Maybe you're making your own soap, but you have a product and you're crafty and you're just people are like, you have to like sell this. And so you like go to your farmer's market and you're like, yeah, I'm doing this. And people start like coming up to your stand. They're like looking at your stuff and they're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And suddenly more and more people come by, you're chatting, people are loving it. And at the end of the day, you have sold out and you're like, yes. Oh my gosh. I love um, a montage where it's like a successful, like a bake sale or something Mm. like that. Like those montages. So good. Top tier. Well, thank you so much for the reviews, everybody. We appreciate them so much. And with that being said, be sure to go on to our Tee Public link in bio and shop that sale, baby, because oh, there's yeah. a sale going down and you don't want to miss it. Absolutely. You can get yourself a shirt or a phone case or a sticker Stickers. or a sweatshirt, a tapestry, a pillowcase, literally any product you could want. It's there. It certainly is. And with that being said, shall we get into it? Let's hydroplane right into it. (laughs) Beautiful. So we open up 
it's 1986. We're at a wedding and we meet our heroine, a very young Jane Nichols. She kind of talks about how Mozart found his calling at five. Picasso learned how to paint at nine, but she was eight when she discovered her calling at her cousin Lisa's wedding. It was the first family event since her mother died. Her dad was in bad shape, not doing too great. Mm -hmm. So Jane is taking her little sister Tess to the bathroom when the bride is having a fashion emergency. Her dress is like torn at the seam. I don't even know how that happened. Yeah, truly don't know what happened. I would certainly be having a meltdown if minutes before my ceremony there was a giant gaping hole in the back of my dress. Mm -hmm. But luckily, little Janie is there, saves the day by taking the ribbon from her little sister's hair and like looping it through the dress. Don't know how she did this, how she has the seamstress skills, but she does. And uh, the dress is fixed. And Jane says that that was the moment. That's when I fell in love with weddings. I knew I had helped someone on the greatest day of their life. And I couldn't wait for my own special day. So the next thing we see is Jane trying on a wedding dress, looking beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then a call comes in and she gets handed the phone. It's the bride. Mm. And she's talking to the bride and she's like, oh, I know. So lucky that we're at the same size. We just <laughs> finished up. I'll have the dress to you in a minute. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then outside, it kind of cuts to right before the wedding and she's wearing her bridesmaid outfit and she meets her friend Casey aka Judy Greer they head to the wedding together and Jane's like what's up with your hair <laughs> and Casey's like she asked for an updo Casey is the foil to Jane being like prim and a mm. yes woman and she's like fucking around yeah. and doing her thing but Jane hands her this bag of, like, wedding necessities and offers to fix her hair when they get inside. You can tell mm -hmm. this is not her first rodeo. Yeah. So they get to the venue. You know, they're taking all of the bridal party pictures. And the bride is like, oh, my God, aren't these bridesmaids dresses great? These things are horrible. Hideous. The There's collar. collar. <laughs> it is a halter top with a collar. Yeah. The How? collar is giving me uh, Saturday Night Fever. And I hate it. <laughs> it's giving Sunny and Cher, but not Cher, just Sunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty awful. And they also have these like really horrible, like, uh, f like flower crown updo type of thing. It's not a good look. Mm -mm. And the bride is like, oh, yeah, the great thing about these dresses is you can always shorten it and wear it again. And Jane is like, yeah, that's definitely so true. So... <laughs> The ceremony happens. Suzanne and Greg, bride and groom, they exchange their vows. Meanwhile, Jane is like standing up there at the altar holding the bouquet and she keeps checking her watch. And this man, uh, Kevin Doyle, a.k.a. James Marston. Looking handsome. <laughs> so handsome. He clocks it and he keeps his eye on her. He's like, what's up? What's up with that bridesmaid? Where's she got to be? So as soon as the wedding finishes... Jane books it outside, gets in a cab, and she's like, all right, buddy, I'm going to give you $300 for the rest of the night, and you can chauffeur me around. And he's like, okay, that's fine. She's like, but if you look in your rear mirror, I deduct money. 
He's like, okay, whatever. So she starts like taking off her clothes in the back seat. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, ah, you just cost yourself 20 bucks. Take me to, <laughs> I think it's like 310 Water Street or something, which mm-hmm. is Dumbo, which is like basically just across the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. My man's going back and forth on the Brooklyn Bridge all night. <laughs> this is not enough money. Also, it would take a very long time to go back and forth because I assume they're not in Lower Manhattan for the first wedding. It looks like it, it might be uptown. It looks like a mid – yeah. I don't know why I said midtown. It looks like it's like a nice venue uptown. Yeah. So Jane makes it to her wedding in Brooklyn and the bride is freaking out. Um, I guess she forgot her bindi and mm-hmm. this is like – it's like um, a traditional Indian wedding mm-hmm. or yeah. – and then a, a Jewish – wedding as well yeah yeah and so the bride says the same thing about her bridesmaids dresses she's like it's so good you can just shorten it and wear it again she's like so true (laughs) and jane watches their vows and then heads back to the other wedding yeah so we get this great montage of jane just like hopping in this cab going back and forth to the two weddings um she's like dancing at both of them it's a great time Towards the end of the night, we see, like, the two brides giving, like, dedicated speeches to Jane because she's, like, the maid of honor in both of them, I assume. And they're just like, oh, you know, you, like, came with me to every bakery. You came with me to, like, get the flowers. You were there and, like, held my hand as I tried on dress after dress. Did a lot of work. Oh, my gosh. And she is not getting paid. That's for sure. And also- That's for sure. Weddings are very expensive. Like, if you're in a wedding party, it will cost you quite a bit of money, depending Especially on Especially, like, the these weddings that she's going to. It looks mm-hmm. like amazing new york venues yeah like you're not getting like a hundred dollar dress for that it's probably like an expensive um bridesmaid dress definitely yeah but you know they thank jane for all the work that she's done and now it's time for the bouquet toss so jane is eagerly ready awaiting catching this bouquet it's going right towards her she's about to catch it and then some chick fucking body slams her boom (laughs) and she move get out the way (laughs) she hits the ground real hard so she does actually really get knocked out for a minute Mm -hmm. and she comes to on the ground and who's standing above her oh my god but Listen, if I got knocked out and I came to and James Marston was standing above me. I would think that I died or something and I was in heaven, truthfully. It would be it would be pretty great. I'd be like, I think I need mm-hmm. mouth to mouth. <laughs> um, but he's like, hey, like, are you okay? Just take it easy. You know, it's a serious head injury. And then he asks these two bridesmaids who are standing around, like, I'm going to need a hundred proof liquor and something for her to bite on stat. And they like scatter. And she's like, are you a doctor? And he's like, no, those girls are just bugging me. (laughs) So he introduces himself as Kevin. I don't think he says his last name. No, I don't think so. Yeah. And she's like, oh, thank you for helping me. But then she stands up and he's like, oh, yeah, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. And she almost falls down again. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, all right, let's go get a cab. Yeah. So they get into the cab that Jane has rented out for the evening. Mm-hmm. So Kevin, 
to make conversation is like, oh, nice thong, by the way. Like you, you kind of flashed me when you drove past earlier. Bad opening line. Terrible. And he's like, you were in two weddings tonight, weren't you? And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, they're both really good friends of mine. So like, what was I supposed to do? And he's like, I just don't know how you could stand being in two weddings. Like they're horrible. And they have this kind of like back and forth where she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I love weddings. They're amazing. And he says, oh, yeah, love is patient. Love is kind. Love means slowly losing your mind. And she's like, what do you do again? He's a writer. Shocker. Classic. Yeah. Classic rom-com job. Classic cynical writer. (laughs) Yeah. So they finally get to Jane's apartment. Uh, She ends up paying the cab driver, Ziggy, $140. So man was taking a lot of glances in the backseat, clearly. Certainly. And Kevin also gets out of the cab. And he's like, I don't know. Like, I just think that weddings are a little bit over the top for something that only has a 50-50 shot at working out. And she's like, oh, wow, a man who doesn't believe in marriage? How original. Jane asks if he also goes around telling children that Santa isn't real. And he's like, oh, so you agree. Marriage is like believing in Santa. And she's like, all right, why am I arguing with you? You know, marriage isn't easy, but cynicism always is. So Jane goes to her apartment, but Kevin kind of stops her and he's like, how many weddings have you been in? And he asks if she'll be in any next week, kind of calling after her. Jane just goes inside, like is over this guy. Mm -hmm. But when he gets back in the cab and they're already driving away, he realizes that Jane has left her planner in the floor of the back seat. Mm. And he almost tells the cab driver to just turn around so he can return it. But instead, he looks through it and sees it's full of, like, notes for weddings and dates of, like, all of these weddings that she's been in and that she has coming up. Yeah. So Jane gets back to her apartment. She puts away her bridesmaid's dress in this hall closet that is just packed to the brim with, like, tulle from all of the other dresses. Tulle, taffeta, organza. Every kind of fabric you could think of, it's in there. And she has to, like, shove it closed. Immediately the doors reopen. It is simply too packed. She then sits on the couch, pulls out the New York Journal, and starts reading the commitments section, her favorite part. The next day, Kevin goes to work. We find out he works for the New York Journal. And it turns out that Kevin is in charge of the commitment section for the New York Journal. Of course. Kind of ironic. Yeah. Duh, yeah. His coworker is like talking about how all these women kill to be in his section and he should totally take advantage of that. And he's like, these women are about to get married. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, of course, what could be better? Like no strings attached, just a one night stand or whatever. Oh my gosh. And he's just like... I got to do work. Please leave. That's one thing that I liked about this because I feel like if this movie was super cliche and they wanted to – because it's obviously like it's an enemies to lovers storyline. And a way that a lot of enemies to lovers pieces of media go wrong is that they make like the guy just – the way that they make them enemies is that they make the guy like a disgusting, like Mm -hmm. gross, horrible pig. But they don't do that with this. Like he's not a womanizer – He's not, like, a fuckboy. He just, like, you know, has commitment issues in terms of, like, he's emotionally unavailable. But he's not, like, out here being sleazy or anything like that. Yeah. And we find out 
that uh, Kevin has taken Jane's planner to work, and he tells his coworker that this is his ticket out of the Taffeta Ghetto, and we kind of see that he has a plan brewing. Yes. What's that plan? Unclear. <laughs> so then we go back to Jane. She is getting to work where Casey is getting out of a cab in her two-day walk of shame outfit. <laughs> yeah, she had a great weekend with one of the groomsmen, apparently. So they walk in to the office, and they are greeted by Gina the Goth, a.k.a. Kristen Ritter. <laughs> and Jane is like, hey, Gina, have you seen my Filofax? And she's like, no. And then she's like, oh, did you get those catalog pages for George? And she's like, no. And so Jane's <laughs> like, okay, that's totally fine. I'll go get them from production myself. And Casey is like, wow, way to really lay down the law there. And Jane's like, well, I'm not her boss. And she's like, well, yeah, but you're the boss's assistant. It's the same thing. Like, you got to take advantage of the power that you have. And Jane's mm-hmm. like, all right, goodbye, Casey, and goes to her desk to look for her planner. Yeah, Jane is definitely a yes woman. Oh, for sure. Big time pushover. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Back to Kevin. Kevin is trying to pitch idea to Maureen, a.k.a. <laughs> well, I actually don't know this actress's name. Melora Hardin. Melora Hardin is playing Maureen, who is, I guess, the editor-in-chief yeah. at the Washington – I keep wanting to say Washington <laughs> Square um, – that the New York Journal. Yes. And why this woman makes such a good boss, like, I don't know, but she really does. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's doing this pitch, and he's pitched ideas before about, like, exposing the cake markups in the wedding cake industry and exploitations on lace workers and factories. And his boss is like, people don't want to read this. <laughs> but he tells her that, like, he has a different idea this time. His idea is this woman, Jane, who's been in seven weddings this year alone and was in two on Saturday. He says it'll be about how the wedding industry has transformed into a corporate revenue stream, but in a fun, upbeat way. <laughs> Maureen still isn't really convinced, but he's like, I really want to write a real story. I don't want to keep doing the commitment section forever. If I don't start getting features, I'm quitting. So she decides to give him a chance and says if she doesn't like it, then he goes back to commitments without any complaints for the rest of his life. So then back to Jane. She is at work. She's looking over all of these mock-ups for the fall catalog. And she's like, I don't know, Casey, do you think George, their boss, will like these? And she's like, yes, I do. I think these photos for the fall catalog will cause George to take you into his office and make sweet love to you for hours and hours. So Jane is in love with her boss is what we're learning mm-hmm. here. And Casey's like, you know, the only reason that you work so hard is because you're hoping that one day George will wake up and realize that he's been in love with you all this time and he'll make some spectacular gesture. And just that moment, what happens? Jane gets a flower delivery. What? Oh, my God. And there's no, like, card or note on it. And Casey's like, oh, girly. You don't think this is seriously from George, do you? And Jane is like, can you stop talking about this in front of everybody? But Casey's like, everybody knows. And Kristen Ritter is like, yeah, literally everybody knows except for George. That's so embarrassing. Yeah. Then Gatsby, who is George's dog, comes in and um, Jane like pets the dog. She clearly is super in George's life. Like she's not yeah. just the secretary. She's like – 
involved in every aspect of his life. Mm-hmm. Jane is like, oh, how is your your mountain climbing? Like, I, isn't this your eighth time climbing that mountain? And he's like, uh, how do you remember these things? And I'm like, it's so bad, girl. Yeah. It is so hard out here. Yeah. She's down bad. Down bad. Then George looks at the mock-ups and he's like, yeah, I just feel like they're too posed and perfect. And meanwhile, Jane is finishing his sentences. She's like, yeah, I thought the same thing. (laughs) And George is like, that's why I keep you around. So they walk to his office, go over his schedule, and she asks if he'd like to go to a benefit dinner. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. I guess I have to find a date. Good thing that's one part of life that you don't have to take care of for me. And Shane is like, I got to go. I have to leave. Then he notices that she left him a breakfast burrito on his desk and literally says, I love you. And goes back to work and just like in a very soft tone, Shane is like, I love you too. And Casey just slaps her. She slaps her across the face. Thank and God. And she's like, I needed I needed that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. So after work, Gina the goth, Kristen Ritter, is telling everybody, like, I hope I'll see you all at my engagement party tonight. By the way, Jane, thanks for organizing everything. You don't even know this woman. Why yeah. are you doing that? Excellent question. And outside, like, her and Casey are leaving the office, and Casey's like, oh, do you want to come and, like, pregame at my house? Like, a bunch of the guys from shipping are coming over, and they're bringing tequila and bubble wrap. And she's like, no, no, I got to go pick up my little sister from the airport, which is, like, kind of an insane thing to do if you live in New York. I'm confused why she has a car. Yeah, that is also also confusing because she lives in Manhattan. Like, why do you have a vehicle? The place where she lives in Manhattan, too – I I guess I don't know where it is, but it looks like she lives in an apartment in a brownstone yeah. type thing. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess maybe Cobble Hill. I, I think she lives in Manhattan. Yeah. Okay. There's like no place in Manhattan that you can do that. No, definitely not. And also her apartment, which we'll, I mean, we're talking about it now anyways, but her apartment is so nice. And I'm like, on an oh, assistant yeah. salary? I don't think so. I guess I would assume that she's like an executive assistant. Yeah. But the apartment is goes off. The apartment's mm-hmm. cray. Yeah. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, I guess that George, he seems like a good dude. So I assume he actually pays his employees pretty well. So maybe she's making more than, like, the average executive assistant. But Ooh. I guess I guess we'll never know. In any case, Jane goes to the airport to pick up her sister, her little baby sister, Tess, a.k.a. Malin Ackerman, and Jane's like, come on, like, I'm parked in B9, let's go. So they get to Jane's apartment, and Tess is like, oh, it's so cute and tiny. And she walks over to this frame picture that Jane has of their mother and her wedding um, announcement in the commitment section. And Jane is like, it was a perfect wedding. And Tess agrees with everything except for their mom's dress. She tells her the synthetic lace and the inverted box pleats are, like, not good. But she also sees all these other clippings from the commitment section, and she's like, what are you saving these for? And Jane is like, I only keep the ones by Malcolm Doyle. They're the best ones. I also love the line where um, 
she's like, I'm recycling them. She's like, what, into wallpaper? <laughs> Which I thought was good. But um, yeah, basically Jane just kind of talks about Malcolm Doyle and how he has this like really beautiful way of writing. But she's like, you don't care about this. Anyways, uh, how long are you staying? And Tess says for a week or two since, you know, the fall fashion shows are all done. And Jane is like, oh, well, you know what? You should come to like this party for like my coworkers' engagement. It's going to be super fun. But Tess is like, well, actually, I'm going to go have drinks with some models that I know from Milan. So she says she'll try and make it later on. And then they have this like cute little moment where Jane's like, oh yeah, like Red Bull's in the fridge, this and that. And then they have, they say like strawberry Pop-Tarts in the cabinet at the same time. And they do a little jinx, just some fun little sisterly banter. Mm -hmm. So Jane goes to the party. Casey's there too. Her boss is there. Mm -hmm. And at the party, George asks Jane what he got them. And she's like champagne glasses and a bottle of Cristal. And George is like, you know, awesome. Hey, did you want to drink? But Jane says no, and I Dumb. have no idea why. Then Casey tells her to always accept the drink. George comes back over to Jane and asks her if it's okay um, that he left something on his desk today. And Jane is like, oh, that's more than okay. Like, it, it's so great that you did that because she thinks that the flowers she received earlier are from George. Yeah. And they are not. <laughs> then Casey tells Jane that she has to tell him how she feels right now. And she's like, okay, okay. So she starts walking over to George when she sees her sister Tess come in and George immediately notices her like on site. Yeah. And Jane walks over as well. And has to introduce Tess and George. Yeah. Jane is like, oh, yeah, this is my boss. And he's like, yeah, Jane is my assistant. She's kind of like my right hand. And Tess goes, ooh, lucky her, which is very forward. Yeah, lots of innuendo. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know, as if I don't already take enough advantage of her, today I even left my dry cleaning slip on her desk. Oy vey. And Jane is like, oh my god, yep, the dry cleaning slip, that's what you were talking about. So Tess and George go over to the bar to get a drink. And who comes up at that exact moment? Mr. Kevin Doyle. And he's like, hey, Jane, like, just wanted to see if you got my flowers today. And she's like, oh, my God, they were from you. Please excuse me for one moment. <laughs> she, <laughs> she walks to the back of the club, out, like, the back door, and starts screaming, motherfucker. And, like, we just see her, like, screaming and whacking her bag against this wall until somebody clears their throat. And she looks up to see that she is uh, at the back of a 50th anniversary party. Just to be clear, she asked, I believe this was the venue that was supposed to be on St. Mark's and A. Mm -hmm. That shit would not exist there. No. It is not big enough. No. It is not big enough for this. This is a huge There's nightclub. There's a Starbucks on the corner of St. Mark's and A, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. There is no venue like this uh, in Alphabet City, for sure. No. So she goes back over to Kevin, and he's like, by the way, I just want to bring you this, and gives her back her planner. She's like, oh, thank God. And he's like, yeah, you know, I figured it was either the engagement party or the bikini wax on Thursday. And she's like, uh, you read? 
my planner. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I, I tried to. It was, it was hard with all your notes and your cramped little handwriting. It's like the, reading something by the Unabomber or something. <laughs> and he then very boldly asks if she wants to grab a drink. And she's meanwhile like watching Tess and George flirty, flirt, flirt at the bar, totally hitting it off. And she's like – um, sorry, like I, I don't think I'll be much fun tonight. Uh, but thank you for returning my planner. And he's like, okay, well, maybe I'll see you around, you know, maybe Thursday. <laughs> and he heads off. So Jane goes to check in with Tess and George, and she's like, Oh my god, like you must be so jet lagged. We should we should go home. We should leave. And Tess is like, Let's go dancing. <laughs> okay, same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And George is like, Yeah, you know, I'm down, I'm a terrible dancer, but obviously he's super into her, so he'll go. And he also asked Jane if she wants to come. And Tess immediately shoots her a look like, absolutely not, say no. And Jane is like, oh, no, you you guys go. I'm just going to – I'm going to head back home. Mm-hmm. And uh, off they go. Jane is back in her apartment and mm-hmm. ready to go to bed, but her mind is spiraling. Yeah. She, like, checks her peephole. No one is knocked, <laughs> no. but she checks her peephole anyway and, like, looks down the hallway And she's just, like, waiting for Tess to get home. She can't sleep, and it's 3 a.m., so she, like, decides to read a magazine. Woman has a full-ass living room. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah. She tries to do some computer work. She does a couple sit-ups. She deep cleans her apartment and, like, cleans her stove top. (laughs) And she, like, fantasizes about Tess telling her that George just, like, talked about her the whole time. I'm like, oh, you have a bad. I hate to say it, but this scene, I felt it in my soul as somebody who does a lot of stress cleaning, Mm -hmm. as somebody who has a horrible sleeping pattern, who stays up very late. I did stay up until like two something. Well, I stay up much later than that, but I was cleaning my apartment until like two in the morning the other day. Just for fun? Well, because I also, like, I had a friend coming over the next day, so I needed to do it. But at like 1 a.m., I was like, I should clean. And then I, like, deep cleaned my entire kitchen, took all the garbage downstairs. Uh, (laughs) I didn't vacuum because I didn't want to disturb my neighbors. But, yeah, yeah, I did a lot of deep cleaning the other day. Mm -hmm. So I I felt seen. I find it relaxing to, like – like, I love after dinner um, spraying down the surfaces in my kitchen. Yeah. Definitely need to go to bed with the house looking Mm -hmm. neat. Yeah. That being said (laughs) – Tess finally comes home. I can only assume it's like early morning. And she's like, oh, I had the best night ever. And Jane is like, oh, right. I totally forgot you went out. (laughs) And Tess is like, oh, is that weird for you? And Jane is like, no, no, not at all. And she's like, great, because we're having lunch tomorrow. (laughs) And she asks about George and Jane tells her that he dropped out of college and climbed every major peak in the world. Did you write, must be uh, family money? <laughs> yeah, I, I assume George comes from money. One can only assume. Yeah. And then he started the philanthropy that she works for, Urban Everest, from his apartment and turned it into one of the most eco-friendly and philanthropic businesses in the world before 30. Wild. Like he doesn't exist, first of all, but sure. And 
Jane just says that he's an unbelievable boss. Everybody loves him. He loves his dog, doesn't eat red meat, and would rather spend all his time outside than anywhere else. And Tess is like, oh, he sounds amazing. And Jane's like, well, he does have flaws. Mm-hmm. Like, he hates cashews. How dare. And he doesn't wear socks with sneakers sometimes. That is kind of gross, I will say. That is kind of nasty. Yeah. And Tess is like, those aren't deal breakers. And Jane is like, what fucking deal, bitch? <laughs> what happened between you two? Tess in- insinuates that, you know, they slept together and Jane is dying inside. She is not having a good time. Yeah, she's like, oh, I gotcha. Nice. Absolutely. <laughs> Torn to shred. Torn so to shreds. So cool. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. So the next day, Jane and Tess go to their dad's hardware store in New Jersey, where they're from. He is thrilled to see Tess, and he makes pancakes for them both. He's like, oh, Tess, how long are you going to be here? And Jane's like, oh, like one to two weeks, right? Like, that's what you said. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, actually, it just kind of depends on how a couple things pan out. And then she gets a phone call from George and they she like goes into her old room to like chat with him. Oh my gosh. And dad is like, oh, let me guess. A new guy is chasing after her. And Jane's like, well, I wouldn't say chasing. And <laughs> she's unwell. Yeah. Her dad's like, are you okay? And she's like, uh-huh. Great. Totally fine. Totally cool, 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 cool. Yeah, dad's giving me big uh, Luke Danes energy. Oh, really? I don't think he's quite uh, cranky enough. <laughs> no, but he lives above a hardware store That's and true. that was enough for me. Yeah. But yeah, there. it seems like Jane really cares about her family mm-hmm. and they are all really tight knit because her mother passed away, you know, when they were younger and it seems like they all really care about each other. Yeah. So the next day... Tess and George – actually, we don't really know the timeline. Yeah. But Tess and George are flirting in his office, mm-hmm. and Jane notices that Kevin has written his name in her planner on every single Saturday. It's like, Kevin, 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 with his phone number. Meanwhile, Kevin's talking to his coworker, and he's like, yeah, I know she's going to call me. <laughs> and he's like, how do you know that? Because he, like, inserted <laughs> himself into her planner. Yeah. So, of course, she calls him immediately and is like, you ripped a week out of my planner. And he's like, it's an experiment to see how you do without every single moment of your life planned out. <laughs> and I'm like, you're too, you're blindsiding her too much. Let the woman live. Yeah. He also asks her how she affords all these weddings. Excellent Great question. question. Yeah. That is not addressed whatsoever. I would love to see... Just like her monthly budget. Girl lives in a rent-stabilized apartment. She must. Because she doesn't come from family money. Like, that's pretty clear. No. So unless George is paying her, like, an insane salary, there's no way she's able to afford all of these, like, weddings and all of these engagement parties and all the trips and, like, all the gifts and stuff. Like, it's... And she's, like, clearly a woman of taste. I don't think she's cheaping out on anything. Yeah, she says that she um, gets a lot of, like, wine of the month club memberships for people. And I'm like, that's an expensive gift. That's a nice gift. Exactly. So he says he wants to make it up to her with maybe a new date book or just a date. Mm. And she's like, oh, well, you've already scheduled yourself for every Saturday for the rest of the year. 
And he's like, okay, anytime you want to hang out with someone who doesn't ask you to go dress fitting or cake tasting, please feel free to give me a call. So that's when Pedro, who is George's little brother from the Big Brother program at the Y, comes up. Jane obviously like knows him very well. She's like, oh, are you getting mm-hmm. too old for hugs now? Um, she gives him a little hug. And George introduces Tess to Pedro and says like, oh, yeah, this is Pedro. He's my little brother from the Y. And she goes, hola, Pedro, in like a very loud, obnoxious way. And like I was saying before we like hopped on that I think that this moment is like a little bit of a reach to villainize Tess. Yeah, it's a little heavy handed. Yeah, because like her and Jane grew up in the same like household, the same family. Jane is not behaving this way. Yeah. So I find it hard to believe that like she would be this ignorant. So it kind of seems like a cheap reach in my opinion. Yeah, especially for someone who has gone to Europe and like – traveled abroad and worked abroad yeah there are other ways to show that she's like vapid and like obnoxious but alas this is what they do but (laughs) george is like oh yeah we're gonna go to pedro's baseball game jane you should come with and she tries to stay behind because she has a lot of work to do and he's like oh come on like your boss is a jerk anyhow let's go so they go to the game and they stop at the like snack hut shack area George orders fries for everyone, and he's like, oh, do you guys want anything else before the game starts? And Jane's like, oh, absolutely, a chili cheese dog. And she's like, oh, Tess, did you want one? And she's like, Jane, not unless it's a vegan dog with a tofu chili, you silly goose. And Jane is like, the fuck? And she's like, yeah, I'm a vegetarian, you know, it's kind of recent. And he's like, oh my God, I'm a vegetarian too. You know, I used to be vegan, but it's just so hard to manage. And she's like, you know, when I go hiking, I have to make my own uh, tofurkey jerky. (laughs) And I'm like, sure. (laughs) The audacity. Yeah. She also says that she hasn't been hiking since her dog passed away. And Jane is like, what the actual fuck? And Tess just is like, oh, yeah, I love Tori. Tori would go everywhere with me. And George is like, Jane, why have you never told me about Tori? And she's like, wow, I don't know. I guess I must have repressed the memory of Toby. (laughs) Their dog's name was Toby. (laughs) Yeah. And Tess is like, yeah, it was Toby, but I had a lisp when I was little, so I just always said Tori. And Jane is like, you had a lisp that made your B's into R's. And George just always, always finding the goodness in people is like, you know, I had a stutter when I was younger. And she's like, oh, my God, we have more in common than I thought. Mm -hmm. Christ. George looks over at Pedro on the field and he's like, I'm going to go shag some flies with him before the game. And Jane is like, Tess, what are you doing? (laughs) Toby, you hated Toby. You hated that kid, that dog. And she's like, "Uh, no, I just didn't like it when Toby slobbered on me. And I might like soy milk or hiking if I tried it. And then George like waves her over and she's like, I'm going to go shag some flies. (laughs) I just looked it up because I had no idea what that term means. And it says... In baseball, shagging is the act of catching fly balls in the out in the outfield outside the context of an actual baseball game. So that's what it means. But 
she practices batting with him. Yeah, so I think that like if they're shagging flies, like somebody is oh, hitting it to the outfield I and catching you. it, but it's not like in the game. Mm-hmm. The more you know. <laughs> so then we have a little montage set to 2000s queen Natasha Benningfield. Who knows? We see Jane answering the door. It's a flower delivery. And for who? It's for Tess from George. And we can see that like the entire apartment is just like filled with bouquets from George. Wow. George also like meets the family. He meets their dad. Uh, Jane comes home one night to see George and Tess like making out on the couch. Uh, We also see Gina the goth, Kristen Ritter, her very goth wedding. Jane, of course, is a bridesmaid and... She, like, looks out to Tess and George in the audience and does, like, the rock on, like, hand sign. Mm-hmm. And Tess doesn't. She's like, you know, in sign language, this means I love you. And he's like, I love you too, Tess. And they start, like, making out very grossly in, like, That's the middle of this wedding. Yeah, very inappropriate. So back at the office, um, there's a note on Jane's desk and it asks for drinks. It's from Kevin and... Then George comes out. He's deciding between two ties and asks her which one sucks less. And he um, asks her to tie the tie. He seems super nervous. Yeah. So that night, Jane is like the last to leave the office every day. Mm -hmm. She tidies up his desk and realizes that his wallet is right on his desk. Man has forgotten the Mm -hmm. wallet. So she takes a cab to where he's having dinner that night. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then she walks in to see this beautifully romantic setup. There's like a table for two. There's like a little quartet band and these two men holding a sign that says, will you marry me? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so George walks out and he's like, oh, no, no, guys, she's not the one. She's not the one. Brutal. Devastating. Brutal. <laughs> Number one, <Yeah>. devastating. <laughs> and so Jane's like, I'm so sorry. I should have called you. You forgot your wallet. And he's like, oh, thanks, thanks. And then Tess walks in. She's like, so sorry I'm late. And he's like, guys, guys, this is the one. This is the one. So they like unravel the sign once again. The band starts playing. And Jane is just like having to awkwardly stand there in the middle of them as Gatsby the dog runs in and George takes the ring box off of his collar. So he sits Tess down at the table and is like, Tess, you know, my parents have been married for like blah, 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 40 years. And Mm -hmm. I've been waiting my whole life to, to feel how my dad felt about my mom. And Jane is like looking for any sort of exit anywhere she can go. There's too many people in the room. She can't get out. She's (laughs) trying to get behind the fucking guitar. Yeah. So she just has to stand there and watch the man that she's in love with propose to her baby sister. Obviously, Tess says yes. And they are now engaged. Hi. Rough times. So what do they do? Tess and George go straight to daddy. She's like, <laughs> I'm engaged. I'm moving back to New York City. And their dad is like, just wait here for a second. Let me go get something. And comes back with their mother's wedding dress for Tess. <sighs> My heart dropped. My heart dropped. I was like, dad... You didn't nail this one. No. Jane is dying inside. 
this was a part of her ideal like dream wedding and even at the mm-hmm. beginning she has that cutout of her parents wedding from the commitment section yeah. it's just a really hard moment yeah and tess is like oh you don't mind right you can have it after me and jane <sighs> is like yeah yeah it's fine and um, that's what mom would have wanted yeah oh. and like excuses herself yeah it's pretty heartbreaking i think that Catherine is really good uh in this scene when she like quickly covers up she's like yeah no yeah it's fine that's what mom would have wanted. Yeah. I was like, oh. Devastating. My heart. My heart. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a breaking point for Jane. And she, at this point, ends up calling Kevin. They meet up at this bar. And she's kind of like venting to him about this whole situation. And she's like, and now I'm going to have to take care of everything for Tess's wedding. And he's like, well, you should just say no. She's like, I can't do that. A novel idea. <laughs> yeah. And He's like, have you ever said no? And she's like, yeah, of course I have. Never. (laughs) So he's like, all right, well, you're going to learn today, bitch. So (laughs) he makes her You're about to learn today. (laughs) So he like makes her practice saying no. And he's like, Jane, give me 50 bucks. And she's like, no. He's like, come on, it's just 50 bucks. And she says no. And he takes her hand. He's like, Jane, I really, I really need you to give me 50 bucks. And she's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, all right, not bad. Can I have your drink? She's like, yeah. He's like, great. <laughs> and she's like, no, fuck, no. Um, it's a very oh cute little back and forth. They, I think they have really fun chemistry. Um, oh, yeah. I really like their chemistry. Yeah. Uh, James Marsden. <laughs> There's like a part later on we'll talk about. It's like my favorite, yeah. favorite moment. So the next day or – who the fuck knows what day it is at this point, but um, Jane and Tess are in Central Park and they're going over these wedding plans. Turns out Tess doesn't have that many girlfriends. Shocker. Gee, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. And she says like, she's like, I, I, you know, I don't have many girlfriends. I don't know why. And she's like, yeah, I do. And then <laughs> asks Jane if she can ask Casey if she can be one of her bridesmaids. And she's like, yeah, I think she's pretty. She can definitely pull off a strapless dress. Jane was like, why not invite like cousin Mimi or something like that? And she's like, oh, well, she's like really, really pregnant. Like, I think it'll throw off the entire aesthetic. Oh, God. I'm like, this is so rude, but whatever. And then she also tells Jane that writer Malcolm Doyle um, wants to do a piece about their wedding for the journal. Uh. So then as they continue to walk through Central Park, they get to the spot Mm-hmm. where Tess decides to reveal to Jane that she wants to recreate their parents' wedding. And she is getting married at the boathouse in Central Park, just like their parents. Yeah. Jane is completely crushed. Mm-hmm. It's just exactly what she's always wanted. And her sister is taking it like into her own mm-hmm. thing. It's just really devastating, yeah. you know? So she also reveals to her that because there was an 18-month wait and she called like 11 times, finally someone canceled. Their wedding is in three weeks. Jesus Christ. Jane is clearly floored by a, by the news about the boathouse, the news about it being in three weeks. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on. Yeah. Tess is like, I know you wanted to get married at the boathouse in mom's dress too, but like, you know, be happy for me. I'm your sister. <laughs> And Jane is like, 
yeah, I'm so happy. I just want you to be happy. I just didn't know that you wanted that, but of course I'm so happy for you. So happy for you. Yeah. I mean, the Central Park Boathouse is a beautiful place to get married. Don't you want to get married at the uh, Brooklyn Prospect Park? Yeah, I want to get married at the Prospect Park Boathouse. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if one day I can trap a man into marrying me. um, Oh, he would be so (laughs) lucky. We'll all have a great time at the Prospect Park Boathouse. I really want to... I mean, it'll definitely depend on like a multitude of things, but mm-hmm. it would be so nice to have my wedding in early spring or mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much early spring is what would be ideal yeah. at um, the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. Ugh, gorgeous. They have a really lovely venue, mm-hmm. like a really beautiful um, – I I don't know what else they use it for besides weddings, yeah. but I've seen it from the outside and it's – gorgeous so yeah yeah like i don't i don't think i would ever want to i mean there's nothing wrong with it of course i just don't think i would ever want to get married in like a hotel or anything like that yeah um even though those venues can be like so gorgeous inside i feel like i would want some sort of like outdoor element even if it's like indoors but you can see Mm -hmm. outdoors yeah i got you yeah that type of thing but i am a ways away from any of that so (laughs) there's time but the next thing we know Jane and Casey are in a yoga class and Casey is like, I cannot believe your fucking sister. Like any man is just like falling under her spell, even a, you know, do-gooder like George. They get hypnotized by her voodoo and they lose their minds. And she tells Jane that it's sick for her to plan her sister's wedding to the guy that she's in love with. It's a little sick. Yeah. It's a little sick in the head. That's such a tough position. Yeah. I guess it's one of those things like I wonder if um, one of us got engaged to someone who the rest of us like didn't like, like actively Mm. thought was like not a good person. Right. If we would be like we have to tell them or if we'd just be like it's not our business. (sighs) Oh my gosh. I think I would say something earlier on in the relationship that was like, of course, like you see more of them than I do. Like, I Mm -hmm. don't know every facet of their personality, but you know, sometimes I see them not treating you the way you deserve, like that sort of thing. I think, yeah, I think if there's a time to say something, it would be, it would be before it gets to the point of like, we're getting married, you know? Yeah. And that's what, that's, what's really tough about this situation in the movie is that if she had like said something at the very beginning mm. before it like turned into anything, but Jane has like a really hard time obviously being honest and also saying no. Yeah. She does ask her several times, like, is this okay? You don't mind you, which is a shitty way to ask. Like you should yeah. have a real conversation, but the time to interject was long ago. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, it's brutal. Or is it? Is it too late? (laughs) I guess I'll find out. But Jane is like, well, Tess didn't know how I felt about him. I just have to get over it. Also, she wants you to be a bridesmaid, Casey. So you're going to have to do that. And Casey is like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not doing that on principle. But Jane is like, please don't leave me alone in this. So Casey is like, fine, I will do it. But if she crosses me, I will kick her ass and then I will kick your ass and then I'm going to have some drinks. And at this point, like the yoga teacher bangs the <laughs> gong because they're like 
conversing in this class. And she's like, well, you know, there's no sign that says no talking allowed. That's surprising. I feel like there is usually a sign in yoga studios. Definitely. Next stop, cake. And let me tell you (laughs) something. I'm pretty sure that when – yeah, I think that my my brother and his – oh, my God. They're married. Yeah. My brother (laughs) and his wife – that's so insane to me to say. My yeah. my brother and his wife just got back from their honeymoon, so this is very recent. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that, you know they did a cake tasting, mm-hmm. but I know they did a food tasting because the venue that they um, got is like amazing food. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, I'm trying to pretend to get married to do the food <laughs> tasting. Like, uh, it yeah. looks like such a good time. Oh my gosh, yeah. I actually didn't get any cake at my brother's wedding. Oh, why? I don't know, like, where I was or what was happening, but I, like, missed it. Mm-hmm. I missed when the cake was – I know – I remember when they cut the cake. Yeah. But somehow I just didn't get any cake. But they also had cupcakes because yeah. uh, my sister-in-law worked at um, – oh, God, what's it called? Like Georgetown? Yes, it was Georgetown. Um, She Ooh, worked there, so yum. she had, like, a bunch of Georgetown – cupcakes uh which i did have and they were delicious sometimes the cupcake is nice yeah but yes they go to get the cake (laughs) and it's this amazing cake maker yeah whoever the fuck is bowling upstairs i'm like (laughs) it sounds like you're playing with motherfucking blocks it's so od but anyways they go to this amazing cake decorator they say we have to have a cake in three weeks. And Antoine is like, no, I need more time for my creation. <laughs> and um, Jane is like, okay, but do you remember when I got the Schecters to order that like six-tiered, crazy, insane cake? You're going to do the cake in three weeks. And he's like, it would be my pleasure. And at a discount too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She's like, you're going to do it in three weeks. And I would like a discounted price. And he's like, for you, anything. Um, which just begs the question, why is this woman not working in the wedding industry? Yeah, I think maybe it's one of those things. It's like it's a passion, not a job for her. Yeah. But the question does beg it. I kind of wanted there to be in the wrap up of the movie. Like she's now at, she's now having her own wedding planner yeah. business or something like that. Yeah. But so – you know, he agrees to do the cake and Kevin arrives to do the interview and is like, hello, I'm Malcolm Doyle. And Jane is like, hold the phone. Excuse me, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> and Jane is so unhappy. She's pissed. Mm-hmm. George steps away to take a call and Jane straight up calls him a liar. And Tess is like, oh, um, you two know each other. And he's like, yeah, we both work the wedding circuit. <laughs> and Jane asked to speak to him in private, like to the side for a second. And she's like, you lied to me. And he's like, no, I use Malcolm Doyle. So like crazy brides don't harass me. And um, she's like, so are you actually secretly someone who loves weddings or are you just a cynic spinning crap for people like me? And he's like, okay, I didn't follow what you said, but... <laughs> I'm thinking it's the spinning crab option. And she's like, I love this line. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, I feel like I just found out my favorite love song was written about a sandwich. <laughs> love it. I love it. So later on, at some point, uh, 
Kevin stops by Jane's apartment to talk to her. And he's like, please, like, I have to interview friends and family for the article. And eventually she lets him in. Please. 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 Can I have just a crumb of information for my article? Liar, liar. Pants ablaze. Yep. So he comes in and he's like, oh, like, tell me about Tess and George. Like, are you happy for them? And she's like, of course. Like, she's my little sister, blah, blah, blah. And as she's answering all these questions, Kevin notices her hall closet filled with all the bridesmaids' dresses. And he's like, what is that? And she, like, races over and tries to stop him. He's like, oh, my God, these are all of your bridesmaids' dresses. Why did you keep all of them? You live in New York City. Like, storage is scarce, Space which is, is limited, true. Gal. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, they're not all terrible. Like, I like to keep them. And he's like, they're disgusting. She's like, like, they're not all that bad. Like, let me show you one that isn't that bad. So she pulls out this kind of like green, like satiny one. And he refuses to believe that it's good. She's like, well, it looks better on. So she goes to try it on to prove him wrong. She emerges... It's like a vomit green. And I mean, she looks great in it because she's yeah. just like really, really beautiful, but it's not a good dress, love. No, it's not. He like takes a picture of it with his camera and he's like, all right, the shape isn't that bad, but this color is gross. And she's like, okay, yeah, it's not great. Um, and I actually did read that they had a really hard time designing dresses that looked bad on her because Katherine Heigl is just so she's gorgeous beautiful and Mm -hmm. like tall and hot that everything looked good on her so they had to really try to make some of these ugly but she's like well if you want to see a really bad one let me show you and pulls out this like gone with the wind antebellum dress yeah it's for real yeah and he's like, there's no way that people have gone with the wind weddings. And she's like, I have been to three. Sorry to that man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we have this like gorgeous montage where she tries on all of the dresses from all of the different weddings. We have like a kimono. We have uh, like an L.A. wedding one. There's like mm-hmm. where the women wore suits and the men wore dresses. Uh, there's this like pink and yellow abomination like <laughs> there and a lot of them are very like 80s style oh, there's a cowgirl one. yeah there's a cowgirl one mm-hmm. there's also like an underwater wedding that she went to i'm so glad theme weddings are like not a thing anymore oh yeah no you will not catch me with a theme wedding that's for sure that's for damn sure mm-hmm <laughs> Do you do you plan on having bridesmaids at your wedding? I guess I always planned on it. I mean, it wasn't even until like my oh my god, sister-in-law was like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. But I guess it like to me it just sounds fun to mm-hmm. have your friends maybe not necessarily standing but like in the front row with bouquets. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like torturous to make a bunch of people wear the same dress. Yeah. You said that your sister-in-law just had you guys uh, wear the same color. Yeah, right? yeah. She gave us like um, a fabric swatch from David's Bridal of like a blush pink. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, they, you know, have this fabric 
in this color and like a ton of different styles and you can all go and pick whatever style you want. So like I had strapless and then like the maid of honor had kind of like a halter and another girl had like a wrap style one. Another girl had like a one shoulder cute thing. Um, so we all had like different styles in the same color. I think for me, I'm not going to do like the same dress or the same color. I'm going to have like a selection of like a color palette. Mm hmm. Uh, of different colors so if you google like mismatch like bridesmaids dresses you'll see like people will have a color palette and because i'm planning on doing (laughs) so in depth i'm planning on doing like more of like a fall wintery weather i think i'm gonna go with kind of like more like rust like reds like browns like those kinds of colors um i kind of fuck with like a brown dress mm -hmm. like i think i can pull off a brown dress yeah yeah so maybe like some like reds like uh, browns like autumnal colors and then maybe like some sort of like mm-hmm. a like a blue or something in there as well so that's my plan I, love- I will not be making anyone wear a dress that they don't feel comfortable in that they don't feel good in yeah i feel like especially with our friend group it's like we've known each other for so long like mm-hmm. i wouldn't want to make anyone wear something that they felt uncomfortable in or that they like exactly because it's also supposed to be fun like i want you to have fun not like you're mm-hmm you don't feel like you're pulling up your shirt the entire night or like whatever. Yeah, for sure. And then everyone can make sure that they like get something that's in their price range. And yeah, yeah, it just makes sense to me. And also like you want everybody to look good in your wedding pictures. That's why I don't understand the whole like, oh, like you want your, you don't want your bridesmaids to look better than you. It's like, no, you want everybody to look nice and feel good. Especially because it's like, you're still going to be the bride. You're, we're not, we're no pictures. Are we in front? Like, no. you're the centerpiece of all the photos. Yeah. No one's even looking at us. <laughs> like, no one is looking at the bridesmaids when the vows are happening. No. No. Guys, if any of you are married, send us your wedding pictures. Show us what your bridesmaids were. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Please do. If, yeah. I mean, if you don't mind, we could put it on our story. Oh, that would be so cute. That would be really cute. Yeah. Let's get to 27 dresses. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That would be so fun. Yeah. Send us your pics if you feel comfortable, of course. <laughs> but anyways, back to the back show. To the, <laughs> back to the task at hand, recording a podcast. Yes. So finally, she's tried on all the dresses. He actually counts up the photos and is like, wow, 27 dresses. Like, you've been in 27 weddings. Wow, wow, wow. He tells her basically, like, I get it. You know, you got to get the the dress for the wedding, but... You can't keep eating up valuable closet space like that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I know it may sound weird, but I've had some really great times in these dresses. And he's like, I can't believe that. And she's like, you know what? I don't mind wearing a funny dress if someone wants me to. It's their day. And she mentions how once she had to like caulk a fountain at a wedding because they wanted um, swans, doves or swans, swans, exactly. (laughs) And he's like, what? And Kevin is like, what about you? What about your needs? And she's like, I don't have any needs. I'm Jesus. And then she gets a little more serious and she's like, but someday it'll be my turn to get married. And then all of these people will be there for me. And she gets a little emotional and he uses this opportunity to take a photo of her. And I'm like, you can't fucking, this is why you're single. (laughs) okay you can't exploit people's vulnerability it's true and especially with the flash (laughs) on amateur move unbelievable (laughs) unbelievable so jane is like 
I don't even know why I'm like talking to you. You don't get it. Why would you? Mm-hmm. We're in the fucking moment. Yeah. The next thing we know, Jane is going to pick up Jess. So- More Jess from the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Jess, Jess Mariano. Yeah, Jess Mariano. <laughs> he asks me to marry him. I say yes immediately. <laughs> yes. Uh, she goes to pick up Tess from George's apartment, but Tess doesn't want to let Jane in. And she hears like vacuuming and somebody singing in the background. And she's like, George is out of town. Who is that? She opens the door. It's Pedro. Tess has hired this young child to clean George's apartment in secret. So I don't like that at all. Yeah. Not a fan of that at all. Um, Pretty questionable decision making there. Yeah. Kevin is at his desk at work and Maureen passes by. She's like, how's the story coming? He's like, oh, it's it's rough. Like, I'm still working on it. And she's like, email it to me right now. And we're getting it. Yeah. Kevin meets up with Jane at the store where she's like doing her sister's registry. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I didn't invite you. <laughs> and he's like, Tess invited me. I have to get, you know, all angles of the story. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Liza Minnelli. And she like is scanning these like Crusade dishes and he's like another one and she's like you know to us it's a casserole dish but to Tess it's what she's going to cook Christmas roast in she's like okay well I'll be cooking the roast but Tess will be there I would literally get married just so someone would buy me like a full range of Dutch ovens. Like, that's more than enough reason for me. Oh, yeah. Feels like we have to have a wedding to get the stand mixer. Oh, absolutely. That KitchenAid stand mixer. I'm like, we can buy a stand mixer. Like, we can, <laughs> I mean, not like any old day, but like, if yeah. we really wanted one, honey, like, we can buy Please a stand purchase. mixer. <laughs> so, um, He's such an ass. Kevin walks over to this wall where there's like a rooster-shaped umbrella holder. And he's like, and this is the rooster-shaped umbrella holder that George will put his umbrella in. <laughs> and she's like, it isn't just stuff. It what, It's what makes a life together. And Kevin's like, uh, this like buying of crap is like what's driving the wedding industry. And Jane is like, well, I think that all of your theories and cynicism are just a smokescreen and that your parents got divorced or you're worried you'll never find the right girl. And then he says that uh, she focuses on weddings because she'd rather focus on other people's Kodak moments than making her own. And that's pretty fucking scathing. Yeah, that's yeah. biting. So she's like... And what? Did you have your own fancy wedding and your wife left you? And he says, yes. And she left with my college roommate. Yikes. And yikes. Mm-hmm. Yikes, bikes. Yikes, bikes. Um, it all stems from somewhere. Yeah, I find that this happens a lot with men where they have like one heartbreak either in high school or in college and they never recover. I don't know what it is, but it's always like the high school girlfriend or the college girlfriend. Mm -hmm. But this is the only time that this ever gets mentioned also. Like, I feel like I was kind of missing a scene where he like talked about it a little bit more or like kind of went into like the effects that it had on him or something. 
But this is the only mention we ever get. Yeah. But they do reconcile after this really dark moment. And she's like, do you want to just register stuff for tests? We can find the ugliest stuff in the store. And so they kind of go on a spree. Yes. So we go back to the New York Journal where Kevin's boss, his editor, is like, you know what? I actually really love the piece. It's like smart. It's heartfelt. It's entertaining, illuminating. We're going to run it on the front page of the section in the Sunday paper. And he's like, I don't think it's perfect yet. Like, why don't we wait another week? I still want to work on it. And she's like, are you joking me? Like, you have been begging for months for a feature. But Kevin is like, I don't know. Like, there's a lot more to this girl than just the perpetual bridesmaid. And she's like, oh, really? Mm -hmm. Getting a little too close to the story there, are you? It sounds like somebody might have a crush. And he's like, no, of course not. And his editor does agree. She's like, fine, I will wait one more week before we go to print. Aye, aye, aye. <sighs> Jane shows up to do the tasting for the wedding um, with George. Meanwhile, Kevin tries to reach Jane, but Tess picks up her phone instead. And she's like, how's the article coming? And he's like, oh, it's coming along great. Do you know where Jane is? So they're doing like the tasting for all the food and um, – George is kind of talking about Tess and he's like, you know, I'm so lucky I found her. Like what I love about her is that there's no bullshit. Like she's always totally herself. And Jane is like, George, there's something I need to tell you. But she does chicken out at the last minute and is like, I'm just so happy for the two of you. And they kind of start talking about like weddings and stuff. And he asked Jane what her favorite part of a wedding is. She says that her favorite part is when the bride makes her grand entrance. She likes to look at the groom because his face says it all. And he's like, oh, so when you get married, do I have permission to look at the groom? And she's like, yeah, please make sure that that poor sucker is still standing there. And George is like, oh, my God, no, like any guy would be lucky to have you, Jane. And at this point, Kevin walks in and sees them like laughing and talking. And it's a total light bulb moment. He realizes that Jane is in love with George. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed in this scene, however, is just how terribly tailored Kevin's oh. pants are. Oh, every scene. Horrible. Every scene. Horrible. They are so baggy. I'm wondering if they did that on purpose it to make be. him look taller or something. Oh. I, I don't know. I was thinking it was like a character choice of like, he doesn't care. He, oh, yeah, I maybe. Guess. I guess he has that whole like reporter look going for mm -hmm. him where he has like the collared shirt and he always has his like crossbody bag. But he's also wearing like dad sneakers. It's very weird. Yeah. Very weird look. Yeah. But that was all I could focus on in this scene because we see like a full body shot. And I was like, mm -hmm. terrible pants, terrible shoes. Don't show him from the waist down anymore because <laughs> it is not working. <laughs> it is not. But, you know, he is spotted by George. He goes over to the table. And Jane is like, oh, yeah, I'm just helping pick the wedding meal because Tess is getting her hair done. And then we're going to Rhinebeck to get some, like, linens from an antique store. But George is kind of worried about, like, he's supposed to have dinner with Tess and his parents tonight. He's worried about not getting back in time. So Kevin's like, oh, you know, I'll go with Jane instead. You don't even worry about a thing. I got it. And Jane is obviously upset because she wanted to have this alone time with George. Illegal. <laughs> So they end up going together and there's a huge storm happening. It's like thunder, a lot of rain. Mm -hmm. And Kevin is like, 
It's all making sense now. You're planning the wedding for your sister to marry the man that you're in love with. And she's, (laughs) he's like, meanwhile, you want to blow your brains out. And Jane is like not taking kindly Mm -hmm. to the harsh reality that he's thrown at her. And she starts driving faster and faster as she gets pissed off at Kevin and He's like, slow down. Like, you're going to hydroplane. She's like, I'm not going to hydroplane. And then they're they're hydroplaning. The car goes off the road, goes off the road. And you know how when the side of the road, it's like a grassy knoll. And so- A ditch? I guess. But it's like not a ditch ditch. Like, they're not like unable to get out. But it's like the under- Yeah. (laughs) If you've been on a highway before, you know what it looks like. Yeah. So they get stuck. They can't drive the car up the mountain, like up the knoll thing, because it's stuck in mud. And so, yeah, they try to call for help. No reception. Mm -hmm. So they have to go to this random bar nearby. Of course, the payphone doesn't work. They're stranded. And Kevin's like, all right, well, since we're here, might as well have a drink. Cut to them having shots. The vibes. A pickleback, maybe? Who knows? I haven't had a pickleback in so long. Christina, Christina, (laughs) last, wait, maybe it was last weekend or no, I think the weekend that was like New Year's. I had so many picklebacks recently. (laughs) So many picklebacks at DVA. Oh, I love them. They're so good. I had a pickleback when I was at DVA when I was in New York. They're pretty good pickle juice. Yeah. But yeah, they're having some drinks, you know, the vibes are picking up and Jane is kind of just asking him about all of these columns that he's written that she loves. And she's like, okay, well, what about the Keller wedding? Like that one moved me to tears. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, oh, with like the brother that came home from the war and like the dad and blah, blah, blah. Like you can't fake emotion like that. And he's like, except I'm a really good writer. And she's like, you're not that good. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, they keep drinking. They're having more and more shots. And she asks him, like, what his favorite part about weddings are. And, like, there must be something that he likes. And he's like, Mm -hmm. okay, fine. The one thing that I do like to do when the bride makes her grand entrance, I like to look at the groom because even though I think he's an idiot, he usually looks pretty happy. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) That is my favorite part of a wedding. And, oh, my God, they have something in common. The Uh, tides are turning. We're looking a little little closer to lovers than we are enemies right now. And he's like, it was bound to happen eventually, like, statistically. And she tells him to admit that he's a big softy and this is an act to seem mysterious and sexy. And he's like, what was that last part? What was that last part there? You think I'm sexy? And she's like, no, no, no. I was saying that you think that you're sexy. (laughs) Then Benny and the Jets comes on, uh, and I love this scene. Yeah, I love this scene. I what can I say? Scene. It's it's done very well, mm-hmm. and she starts singing along to Benny and the Jets the completely <laughs> wrong words. Yeah, like I've got electric boobs and mohair shoes. Yeah. And it's so audacious, but like they both get into it. He gets into it, and. Mm-hmm. One thing leads to another. They start doing a sing-along on the bar. Everyone is cheering them on. Yeah. Then Kevin gets down from the counter and reaches up to help Jane get down as well. And he says, I cried like a baby at the Keller wedding. (gasps) 
and then they kiss. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good. And he's so hot. It's upsetting. It is. Yeah, so next thing we know, we cut to them making out in the car. It's very steamy. It's very passionate. Very sexy. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think if I've I don't think I've ever made out with anybody in a car now that I think about it. Oh my god. Cause like <laughs> I lived in New York, nobody had cars. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Live here. I don't have a car. So not even a cab? Or like an Uber or Lyft? I don't know. I tend I feel weird about making out in like a cab because I wouldn't want to make the driver uncomfortable. I've done that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. And I never, never dated anybody that has a car. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. But anyways, the next morning, Kevin goes to get coffee for the both of them. And he tells Jane that like the tow truck is on its way. And she's like, by the way, like I never, I never never do anything like this like i never do this he's like i know and she's like no i never do this he's like i know you kept saying that last night over and over again that you never do this she's like okay just want to make sure we're clear we're on the same page i never do this so so you know and i know yeah i never do this never how many times never never a clock (laughs) just happened So they go to a diner to grab some breakfast, and this one guy from the bar last night comes up, and he's like, oh, my God, it's Benny and the Jets. And they're like, what? And he's like, but, 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 Benny and the Jets. And they're just kind of like, ah, yeah. And once he walks (laughs) away, (laughs) once he walks away, she's like, oh, my God, I sang Benny and the Jets last night, didn't I? And he's like, yes, you did. Yes, you did. So... The waitress then comes over to like refill their coffee and she's like, hey, it's you. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm Benny. He's the Jets. Benny and the Jets. Ha, ha, ha. And she's like, look, it's the girl from the paper. And Kevin is like, oh, fuck. Oh, my gosh. So the waitress brings over a copy of the New York Journal. Splashed all across the front page is the article about Jane titled Always, Always, Always a Bridesmaid. Very mean title. Yeah. So Jane crumples up the paper. She throws it at Kevin and storms out. And he follows her and he's like, I told my editor not to run it. Like, it doesn't even matter. Nobody reads that section anyways. And she just turns around and very swiftly punches him in the face. Did he? She punched him, not slapped him? She punches him. Oh my gosh. I have to rewatch that. Yeah. And... I was thinking about it when I was watching it, and personally, I think it would actually have been a much stronger and more striking choice if she just turned around and just looked at him and, like, stopped him in his tracks with, like, a facial expression, I think would have been a much cooler choice. I don't really feel like that needed to happen. It felt, like, kind of weird. Yeah. It felt out of place. Like, that punch just seemed She's not a violent person. Yeah. I mean, everyone has a breaking point. And what he did – oh, my gosh. What he did was very shitty. hmm Oh, yeah. You keep going. I'll say my thoughts later, but <laughs> – Yeah. Back at the New York Journal, Kevin asks his editor what happened, and she's like, the only thing you should be saying to me is I love you. Like, I gave you all this room on, like, the front page of the commitment section. Like, mm-hmm. you got what you wanted. Meanwhile – at Jane's apartment, Tess is having a meltdown about her negative portrayal in Kevin's article. 
because it's all about her. Ugh. It's nothing to do with Jane, who's also been insanely embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And Kevin calls Tess and I mean, I assume Kevin calls Jane, but Tess picks up and she is like going off on him. And she's like, the only person you're going to talk to is my attorney. And she's like, oh, I got to get out of here. But you better call air traffic control because Bridezilla's on the loose. (sighs) Oh, my gosh. She was abs. I mean, it's a great performance. Malin Ackerman does like a great job in the scene. She's very funny, but like Mm -hmm. infuriating. Oh, yeah. To watch. Like, your poor sister has just been, like, ambushed, and all you care about, she's like, well, what about what he wrote about me, about me being a bridezilla? Me, 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 me. Infuriating. I would not be able to be friends with Tess, for sure. No, I think that's why she's lacking in bridesmaids, because Mm -hmm. she's not able to cultivate sincere friendships. No, not at all. Not at all. So Jane goes to work the next day, and her desk is just filled with messages from Kevin. George calls Jane into his office, and she tries to apologize to him about the article. And he's like, no, like, that guy is a jerk. He clearly took advantage of you. I only called you in here to make sure that you're okay, which is very sweet. Like, George is a really, really good guy. Mm -hmm. He's very decent. I agree. And she's like, you know, I'm just trying to make it through. I'll be okay. And he's like, you know what? Nobody even reads that section anyways. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Next day, um, Jane goes to Tess's wedding dress fitting and Tess informs her that she's decided to forgive her (sighs) and like checks it off her clipboard. And Jane's like, oh, thank you. That's really big of you. Just, yeah, you know, you're going along for the ride. It, It is what it is. And then Tess mentions the slideshow and she's like, here, I wrote out a whole script for you, you know, best just to stick to this script because we don't want to be embarrassed again. So she takes a look at the script and then the seamstress brings the wedding dress out and Jane is really confused. She's like, I thought you were wearing mom's dress. And Tess is like, this is mom's wedding dress. You know, we just altered it a little, but we saved you the parts. And it's literally like... Scraps. Parts, scraps. Yeah. Yeah. So Jane asks if she cut up mom's wedding dress. She just can't believe it. And Tess is like, well, not technically. Mariella did. Yeah. She's like, well, it was so old fashioned, but like we use this little part and like the lace. Like two pieces, really. It's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. Um, It's a really intense conversation. Yeah. Jane finally stands up for herself because after all of the things that she's done and all of the ways she has taken her dreams and like made them a part of her wedding, Mm -hmm. um, something that Jane really cared about. She's like, I can't undo this. Mm -hmm. Like, I just wanted to wear mom's wedding dress, which you never cared about. And like, I can't undo the fact that you tore it to shreds, Mm -hmm. but I won't let you hurt George. Yeah. She is like, you know what? He needs to know the truth about you because you've been telling him so many lies. Like you had Pedro lie to him. This isn't one of your like stupid boyfriends. Like he's a good person. You cannot, like, marry him under these very false pretenses. Mm -hmm. And she basically threatens Tess and is like, if you don't tell him the truth, I will. And Tess is like, oh, please. Like, completely calls her bluff and is like, you wouldn't hurt a fly, let alone me. I'm your sister. 
And then Jane has this amazing line and she says, that was yesterday. Today, you're just some bitch who broke my heart and cut up my mother's wedding dress. Uh, that dose of reality is harsh. Yeah. I mean, it it really is. It's a huge breaking point for her. And I think that this happens a lot for people like Jane. I know it's definitely happened to me where you keep like shoving things down, shoving things down, and then like you hit that point and then it all just comes out in like a big unhealthy way and it's not a good way to process things. You need to like – I'm saying you need to, I'm speaking to myself, like you need to be able to say that things are wrong when they're happening in real time. Otherwise it's just going to like eat away at you. Yeah. It's so hard to do though. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Especially cause I mean, I know you are like just such a good friend and like are such a nice person. Like the way that people would receive me being critical or saying something was wrong is going to be so different from the way someone per- would perceive that from you because like I'm not like <laughs> I feel like I can be like more audacious or just more like mm-hmm. speak my mind and just be like sometimes in a bad way and then I have to be like I'm sorry <laughs> and then like so it's like if you said something was wrong it's like that was really mean but it's not it's like yeah. something anyone would say yeah it's uh it's not easy for me to like stand up for myself it's a hard thing to do. It is really hard, for sure. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I, I find myself sometimes in, like, um, relationships where I do feel like my kindness does get taken advantage of, which is hard. Um, but I'm working on it, trying to only accept good behavior and not bad behavior. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But anyways, back to Jane, my soul <laughs> sister. <laughs> she shows up to the rehearsal dinner, and this woman comes up to her so out of pocket and is like, oh, it must be so hard to watch your younger sister get married before you, which is so unnecessary. Like, why would you say that to somebody? I'll never know. Stop typing. Yeah. And Jane is like, oh, yeah, it is. But then I remember that I still get to have hot hate sex with random strangers, and I feel so much better. <laughs> so good for you, Jane. She then hands over her laptop for, like, the slideshow. She downs Casey's drink and goes right up to George and Tess. And George is like, oh, thank you so much, Jane, for, like, organizing this whole rehearsal dinner, blah, blah, blah. And Jane grabs a pig in a blanket from, like, one of the hors d'oeuvre trays. And she's like, oh, my God, so good. Tess, do you want one? And Tess is like, no, Jane, you you know I don't eat that stuff. Come on. So clearly she has not told George the truth. She hasn't been honest. And Jane's like, right, 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 right. Of course. Anyways, better go do that slideshow. And Tess stops her and she's like, Jane, you're, you're only going to – say what I wrote, right? Like you're going to follow the script. And she's like, of course, a bridesmaid always does what she's asked. And she is about to hit the fan. Jane does stick to the script. She keeps her word about that. And she says, Tess and George are a perfect couple. No, a divine couple. A couple whose love is the stuff of myths Their compatibility is so exact that it can only be described as having been designed by the gods. Like, what is this shit? (sighs) Yeah. This is so ridiculous. (laughs) Designed by the gods. It's so, like, It's so nasty. So they cue this slideshow, and 
Jane says from the very beginning, Tess and George were destined for each other and shows like some photos of them growing up. And she says, George and Tess have always shared a love of God's furry creatures. And it's like George with an animal and then Tess holding up a cat by its hind legs. Yeah. I'm assuming the cat's dead. I don't think the cat's dead. It, okay, it's okay. Eyes, it was like looking. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that would be very dark if it was like. <laughs> I was wondering. I was curious. So, yeah. And then as they grew up, they both shared the same level of dedication and commitment to their education, civic responsibility. And it's like pictures of um, Tess with guys and then pictures of George actually like graduating, which is mm-hmm. weird because he didn't graduate according to Jane. Like yeah, he dropped out of college. Movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. But basically all the pictures of Tess are with guys. It's like mm-hmm. she's wearing her cheerleading uniform and there are guys surrounding her and she's yeah. like doing this other thing and the guys are surrounding her. So yeah, painting a picture there. And she says, and today Tess and George still share their same values. Their love is based on a deep understanding and acceptance of who the other person is. The love of two true soulmates, Tess and George. So here's to the most perfect couple brought together by destiny. I'm so proud of you, baby sister. And by this point, she has also shown a picture of Tess eating like wings or ribs or something wearing her engagement uh, ring. Mm -hmm. So like completely dated. Yeah. So Casey steps in to like save the day and she's like, okay, that's enough of that. Uh, To keep the merriment going, Pedro wanted to get up and say something, but Pedro gets up and he's like, oh, you know, I'm so happy. Like I love George, like a brother. I'm so happy that he found Tess. She's really great. And You know, she asked me not to say anything, but she's actually been helping me start my own cleaning business. Uh, I'm only doing their apartment right now, but if you're looking for a really great cleaning service, please see me in the lobby. (sighs) So this is the last straw for George. He storms Mm -hmm. off and Tess like follows after him trying to explain herself. Casey goes up to Jane and just like, so what happened? What the hell was that? And Jane says that he needed to know the truth. And Casey's like, well, I mean, you could have told him face to face. Like, I know that my moral compass doesn't always point due north. But if I say something's wrong, something's wrong. Mm. And Jane is like, well, you're the one who always tells me to stand up for myself. And Casey's like, yeah, but that's not what you did. You unleashed 20 years of repressed feelings in one night. And if it was the right thing to do, you'd be feeling better right now. Which is very wise. And yeah, I would love to see a movie about Casey. I think that watching her like dating life and adventures as like a cool like woman in New York City would be very entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about just shows that have women who like don't end up married. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the only one I can really think of is Kim Cattrall in Sex and the Mm -hmm. City. And I actually have not seen every episode. Like I Mm -hmm. might be talking out of my ass, but at the end of the day, doesn't she realize like she doesn't want to get married? She's like, that's not for me personally. I don't think that's what I want to do with my life. Oh yeah. She never 
wanted to get married. Mm-hmm. She does date um, Smith Jared is like the longest relationship that she has. Yeah, the like handsome model guy. Yes. Yeah. And then he almost proposes or he does propose. No, he, he doesn't propose. Um, they are in the first movie. They're still together. She moved out to LA. Okay. And he does buy her like a diamond ring, but it's not an engagement ring. Gotcha. And she's like – I love it. Like, I love the ring, but, like, I wanted to buy it for myself. Like, that was something I wanted to do for myself. Um, and in the end, she breaks up with him. Wow. She's like – I think she's like, I love you, but I've been in a relationship with myself for, like, over 50 years, and that's the one that I need to focus on. Wow. Yeah, I would love to see more stories about, like, unmarried women. I feel like we don't get a lot of that. Or if we do, it's always painted as, like, oh, what a sad – sad spinster woman mm-hmm. instead of showing like some people don't want to get married and they live a very happy and fulfilled life and i think it would be cool to see more of that i agree but anyways back to the movie <laughs> um after this tess does come back into the party and lets jane know that george has called off the wedding uh, so um jane leaves and she's outside she's crying and who should show up but kevin she's like what do you want from me i just destroyed my own life and i didn't need your help to do that and he's like great finally i think what you did in there was nuts but you did something and kevin tells her that the real reason he came tonight was because he knew that this was going to be hard for her. And for the first time in a long time, he wanted to be there for somebody besides himself, which honestly is like really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I did not remember that line. Like I I maybe just never registered for me, but I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And he apologizes to her and says that he'll leave her alone. Like she never has to see him again, but but he thinks that she deserves more than she's settled for and she deserves to be taken care of for a change. And that line was really like yeah. resonant with me mm-hmm. that just you deserve more than you've settled for and you deserve someone to take care of you because she is taking care of everyone. Oh, yeah. He does um, give her a Blackberry to replace her Filofax and he says it's perfect for starting over. And at first she doesn't really like respond to this gift. And he's like, can you please just take it? So I don't feel like a complete jerk. And she does end up um, accepting it from him Mm -hmm. and he walks away from her. So the next day at work, Kevin is just kind of like zoned out when his boss comes up and says that the reception for the story has been really good. And he has been bumped from commitments. He's just kind of like despondent. He like can't even really react to this news. And she's like, I mean, you should be excited. You got what you wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Did you? Did you? Did you get what you wanted? Oh. You're alone and sadder than ever. <laughs> yep. So cut to the hardware store in New Jersey, and Jane's dad is talking to her in the hardware store. He says that she really just needs to work this thing out with Tess, and Tess walks in. Of course, he has arranged this, and he leaves to let them have their space and talk. So Jane tells Tess that she feels terrible and apologizes to her. And Tess is like, you know, you embarrassed me in front of everyone. You can't just apologize to me. She kind of goes off on a thing. And Tess is like, you know, you've always been jealous of me, of my clothes, of my boyfriends, and you've just been waiting for the chance to tear me down. And Jane is like, 
that is so not true. Mm -hmm. And Tess tells her to admit that she's resented always having to take care of her. And Jane is like, that couldn't be further from the truth. Like, I don't resent that at all. Mm -hmm. And I forget exactly how she says it, but Tess is like, you know, you think my life has like always been so easy. And Jane is like, you have always had an easy life. She's like, you're beautiful and you're charming and like. Yeah. And that's when Tess admits that the real reason she moved back to New York was because she was fired from her job and her boyfriend dumped her. Yeah. Also just hearing that it's like, if you had just been honest with Jane Mm -hmm. and honestly, just your real self with the George, like, I don't even... None of this would have ended up like this. Yeah. I mean, well, this movie at its core, I feel like, is about honesty because that's something that both of the sisters so true. really struggle with. Um, Look at you reading between the lines. <laughs> and 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 Malcolm. And Kevin does as well. Like, these, these three characters all are having problems being honest with both themselves and with the people in their lives. Yeah. And the arc that we see is the way that the three of them are able to tackle them in different ways. Absolutely. After Tess tells her this, she says that George came along and was nice to her. And she was just trying to be someone who she felt like George deserved, someone like Jane. And Jane is like, why would you want to be me when you could be you? Mm. And Tess is like, you've always tried to take care of me, like ever since mom passed away. But I just need you to be a sister. Like, you should be my sister. And she tells her that she needs to stop taking care of everybody. Yeah. So Jane goes home. She takes all of her bridesmaids' dresses out of her closet and puts them in garbage bags. And as she's doing this, she gets a phone call from someone asking her for a favor. And she's like, yeah, no problem. I'll be right there. So she goes to the office all dressed up in this nice little dress. Her hair is done. And George is standing there in a suit. Turns out he asked her to be the date, you know, to this benefit that he has to go to. Mm -hmm. So Jane starts to apologize for what she did. And he's like, you know what? It's not your fault that I was going to marry someone that I barely knew. Which is true. Okay. (laughs) I have to say, though, like... He never talks shit about Tess. Like, he's not like, oh, thanks, you did me a favor. She was crazy or, Mm -hmm. like, she was a bitch. Like, he literally just says, I did not know her well enough. Yeah. Yeah, George is – he's a class act all around. A respectful king? Yeah, maybe he could get a nomination this year. Who knows? I love Edward Burns. I think he's so hot. He's very handsome. He's very handsome. But anyways – yeah, George is George is a really a really good dude. Um and he's like, "You know what? Let's just forget the whole thing." And she's like, "Great, sounds good." So, he then asks her to like find this file for his speech tonight, and he's like, "You know, I'm just so thankful that I can count on you that you could come down here at the last minute, you know. You never say no, which I love." And it's like bing light bulb moment for Jane. <sighs> yeah, she's like, "What?" And he's like, did I say something wrong? And she's like, no. My life is wrong. (laughs) And she quits. She quits her job. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Yes. And she says that when she came here after college, she was just so blown away by how amazing this company was. And she just didn't even bother getting a life of her own. And then she got too comfortable to leave. And then she had to stay to see him every day because she was madly Mm -hmm. in love with him. And he's like, 
what? And she's like, you know what? You're going to be fine. You're going to find a new assistant who will stay two years, which is appropriate. And as she's like trying to leave, he stops her and he kisses her. Oh my gosh. <sighs> he starts to apologize and she's like, no, no, no. I, I always wanted to know what that would feel like. And he's like, and? And she's like, nothing. I felt nothing. Wow. <laughs> So they try again, they kiss again, and she's like, nope, not a blip. What about you? And he's like, yeah, if I'm being honest, not really. And she's like, yeah, it's not supposed to feel like that. I think when you're with the person you're meant to be with. And then her Blackberry starts going off. And what is it playing? Benny in the chats. Benny. So she knows what she has to do. And she's like, you know what? I got to go. So where does she go? The New York freaking journal, baby. Hell yeah. And she's like, where's um, Malcolm Doyle? And his coworkers are like, oh, he's covering his last wedding. So my girl grabs a cab. Who is it? Ziggy. She's like, I'm not changing tonight. <laughs> Take me to Pier 17. Mm -hmm. And she gets to the pier. This wedding is happening on a yacht. <laughs> pretty fucking cool that yeah. no one in your wedding party or any of your family members have seasickness mm. um it is a big it's a really big ship though so whatever yeah. they are just pulling the ramp away from the yacht like mm -hmm. to separate it from the pier but she runs and jumps <laughs> onto the boat yeah. as it's pulling out of the pier <laughs> insane pretty crazy move mm -hmm. and she starts looking around trying to find kevin and when she's spotted by the bride who is starstruck she's like oh my gosh you're the girl from the paper what are you doing here and jane is like well there's this guy she's like tell me everything literally she's like i want to know everything the bride is super nice yeah and she ends up getting her to the stage mm -hmm. and the bride actually gets a follow spot on Kevin. <laughs> yeah. And like, Oh my gosh. And so, um, she's like, I just wanted to say to you, you were right about me. I just didn't want to hear it, especially not from you, Kevin. I've been waiting my whole life for the right guy to come along. And then you showed up and you're nothing like the man I imagined. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> You're cynical and cranky and impossible. But the truth is, fighting with you is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I think there's a good chance that I'm falling in love with you. And then she gets off the stage and they like meet in the middle of the deck of the yacht. <sighs> and he's like, get over here. <laughs> and they guess. I was in my bed like, oh my God, when I was watching it this morning. It's just so like, the way that he looks at her, he's just like, get I over know. here. I was like, oh my God. He looks like so, um, I don't know. He's like very, very enthralling on film. Yes. Like when he looks at her on film, I'm like, you're in love with me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, he, it's the parasocial relationship is becoming. Mm -hmm. It's like know. POV, you're talking to James Marsden. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, God, what a beautiful, talented man. So talented, so handsome. Yeah. The only thing that killed him is he's short. 
He's not that short. He's really not that short. Yeah. Because his height is listed as 5'10". Why? I would say, having seen him in person, we're talking more 5'9". But you know what? That's fine with me. Taller than me. So I'll take it. How tall are you? I'm 5'7". Okay. For me, I'm like 5'7". So tall. (laughs) Yeah. But yes, they do kiss after this moment. The song mm-hmm. playing in the background also is um, Just Like a Star by Corinne Bailey Ray, which is like one of uh, my favorite songs of hers. It's just like so romantic. and She's such uh, a romantic singer-songwriter. Yeah, I really love her music. And the whole crowd on the boat, they all clap. We zoom out. We zoom up and up. And then where do we go next? What? It's one year later. It's Kevin and Jane's beach wedding. Oh, my God. Very That's a quick, quick engagement. Yeah, quick turnaround. But if you know, you know. Whatever. Yeah. You know, it's not three months, so. True. True. So George and Pedro stroll up, and they see, like, Tess near, like, the – what's it called? The guest book. Mm-hmm. George goes up to say hi to her, and she's like, hi. You know, I uh, I live in Williamsburg now with roommates. I just started – my own handbag line. I am completely broke. I eat a burger a day. And my idea of a pet is a rock. I'm Tess. Nice to meet you. (laughs) He says, nice to meet you too. And you know, it's the sense that they're starting over and like maybe some sort of relationship will happen now that Mm -hmm. she's being her real self. There's definitely like a spark there. The chemistry is there. So I think so. Who knows? So Jane is getting the final touches done in this like little area and it's time to walk down the aisle. So the bridesmaids walk down the aisle. Everyone rises for Jane's entrance. We hear a narration. That day I woke up and put on my 28th dress. I went to a wedding where no one asked me to hold the bouquet, fold a place card or hold their dress while they peed. Everything was perfect, and I didn't care, because the only thing that mattered was the person waiting for me at the end of the aisle, and he was looking at me the way I'd always hoped. Oh, and of course, James is making us fall in love with him. Ah, his smile. Yeah. So Kevin asks Jane if this moment is everything she'd hoped for, and she says, no, it's so much more. Classic, classic rom-com line. We zoom out as the ceremony starts. And then we see there's an extended platform showing every single bride she was ever a bridesmaid for. All wearing the bridesmaid's dress that like she had to wear at their wedding. And Jane says, it turns out I was right about one thing. I knew they'd all be there for me someday. Uh. Jane and Kevin are pronounced husband and wife. And as the credits roll, we see like snapshots of the article Mm -hmm. about them in the commitment section of the newspaper. And that is 27 Dresses. I really enjoyed this movie. I cried at the end when she's like going down the aisle and he's like, you know, is it everything you've hoped for? And she's like, no, it's better. (laughs) Yeah, it is really beautiful. Um. I think because I, like, was, you know, obviously paying much closer attention to it than I ever had before, I realized, like, Mm -hmm. how the romance kind of does take a backseat. Oh, yeah, I think so. Than, like, a traditional rom-com because it does really feel like the B storyline 
with the A storyline being like between Jane and Tess. And I think it's interesting how that relationship arc does follow like any sort of like romantic arc that you'll see in other rom coms mm-hmm. um, where, you know, they start out the sowing of the seeds of discontent. There's a fight, there's a falling out, and then there's reconciliation at the end. Yeah. Uh, so it was nice to see those two storylines between sisters and the romantic ones run alongside each other. I think it was really satisfying. Yeah, I think we get a more three-dimensional view of her as a person because we have her sister and her father and her coworkers mm-hmm. uh, throughout the movie. So we understand more of her personality it's not Mm -hmm. just like connected to that relationship like you're saying Mm -hmm. and it's also really great to see her get closure from that crush on her boss Mm -hmm. and she could have done that without quitting oh yeah but they had her quit because like that's what she needed to do yeah i really i really like that they wrapped that up because i feel like something would have always been left hanging if they didn't do that one little scene i think they did it really succinctly and really effectively of being like Mm -hmm. it never would have worked out and like she's already moved on even though she doesn't know it yet yeah and i think that happens a lot where like you are hung up on somebody for a long time and it's not until like something else comes along that you realize that you actually have moved on from that old thing a while ago it just took you a while to see it So I thought that was a really nice touch. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess do you have any other final thoughts before we give it a rating? No, I mean, I just recommend watching this movie. And I think what you said about at its core being about honesty and being true to what your needs are and true with other people, I think Mm -hmm. that's a great thing to take away from the movie. So for all you saying that it was like a fluff piece, you know, think about that. Yeah. Think about what the movie is actually about. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you'll get something from it that you didn't think you would. Yeah. And I, I find this movie is um, – it is definitely like a comfort movie. It's really an enjoyable watch and, you know, you have like those emotional moments. But I don't think it ever gets like too heavy, mm-hmm. especially like a lot of rom-coms that kind of deal with that kind of really sad backstory that they have. Um I feel like sometimes they can get a little bit murky on, like, yeah. their point of view, get a little bit, like, lost in the sauce. For sure. But um, I think tonally, this movie has a really nice balance. Mm-hmm. That being said, what would you rate 27 Tresses? I did really enjoy it. I don't think it, it hit me quite as much as it hit you because <laughs> um, I did not I did not cry, did not shed any tears. But I really enjoyed it. And also Mm -hmm. one of the few good ones from the late 2000s, because this is where the genre really started to... stinkers in there. Yeah, starts to take a turn. I'm going to give it like a 7.9. Okay. No, that makes sense. I was going to give it an 8. Yeah, because I feel like I was missing like a couple of scenes where we got to see a little bit more of Kevin's vulnerability outside of Jane. Like, I would have wanted, like, one more conversation about, like, you know, his wife that left him. Or even having, aside from that coworker, either him or some other person being like, here's a little bit more about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't get a ton of info about Kevin as a person th- that we do about Jane. I mean, she is the main character, but, you know, he's the love interest, and I would like to know a little bit more about him. Mm-hmm. I think it was extremely well cast, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, what a time. If you would like to watch it and you're in Canada, it's on Disney+. Plus. And if you want to watch this in, I was about to say New York, but in the U.S., <laughs> it is on HBO Max. So 
if you have HBO Max, you can stream it for free. There you go. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you want, you can follow us on social media. Yeah. You can follow us at Movies That Raised Us at... (laughs) (laughs) You can follow us at Movies That Raised Us pod on TikTok. Or you can send us an email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. Yes. You can also follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. And you can follow us on Instagram at Movies That Raised Us. So many opportunities to just follow along with the pod. Absolutely. And if you want to get some merch, it's on sale right now. So definitely go hit up that sale. The link is in our bio. You can search all of the things on RT Public. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.